Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, it's the final two divisions of our 2022 NFL Draft Recap. We've got eight teams left to go, looking at every single pick, every single position, grading what we loved, what we liked, and what we weren't so hot on. Some question marks that we have after the draft, but thankfully, these teams that we got to talk about today, most of them, really great drafts. So we're going to chat about all of that, all of the things that we loved, and uh, some of the things that we, we thought could have been a little bit different. We're going to take a look at players that were still on the board, when teams were picking certain players, all of that. You guys know the drill. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sycamore. That's Connor Rogers. And this is the final divisional recap for the draft grades in the 2022 NFL Draft. Connor, it's bittersweet, man. I'm excited to get to the summer content. We talked about that a little bit in the last episode, but last two divisions, man. AFC West, NFC South. These are the final eight teams to talk about to recap for the 2022 NFL Draft. And then We'll never talk about these players again. Never. No. We'll never. We'll never revisit it. This is it. This is the whole. This is the whole draft process right here. Isn't it funny that you spend the draft process and some players you talk about for like eight months and then never you, again. You, they pop up like on a special teams tackle two years later and you're like, oh my god, I forgot that person existed. Like, no, what have they been doing? It's always the first preseason. First yes. preseason. Yeah, is just like if they make one tackle, one you're number, you're like, 49. you're like, I knew it, I knew it yeah. all along. I talked about it this summer. This guy's gonna be a stud, and then he'll never play again. But the beauty is, you never have to care because they had that one highlight, and your entire you're scouting good. report you're was done. Dedicated. Clip it out, tweet it out, yep. uh, tweet out the team, the team accounts video, and you're good to go. <laughs> so it really is wild to me when it, it's. You're right, it is bittersweet saying goodbye to this draft in a sense of we're talk not talking about these guys as prospects anymore pretty much after this show and some rookie of the year talk and all that kind of futures stuff we will be moving on to the 2023 draft scouting the 2023 draft by position group uh in depth on this podcast this will be a a very busy but fun summer for this podcast and mm-hmm. And then, man, once the preseason starts, we will be talking about these players from an NFL lens. So it, it, it feels really, really strange, but I am in a way I'm actually not like a lot. A lot of people are like itching to get to the next draft class right before the NFL draft starts. I'm not like that at all. I actually don't like turning the page, but I'm finally ready at this point. Well, I think we're I think it comes in phases, right? Yeah. The phase of, OK, now we see where these guys got drafted, the round, the team, the fit, everything. You get to talk about that, which we are for the next couple, which we have been for these last couple of weeks. And like now I'm ready to turn the page to I just made a joke about it, but like preseason training camp, like I'm, I'm looking to see like how football they're utilized. Again, right? Real right, football. Get some pads on, get some helmets yeah. on. Let's see. Let's training see some- camp tweets from reporters. Oh. oh, I was right about that guy. He oh. made a catch for the third stringers. I, I warned all of you and none of you listened to me. <laughs> you fools. It's the most beautiful time of the year. Just absolute vindication for oh, one man. single preseason. Although next week you and I have a dynasty draft we're in together. We do. Yeah. Which is on a day that you and I, around a time that you and I actually record. So there's a chance the draft is happening when you and I are on Zoom together. This is true. This is very true. We, we, and have we, to, we, we pick back to back. Did you see that? Oh, do we? I didn't even see the order. I sadly pick fourth and you pick fifth. <laughs> oh, so you're in front of me for that? No. Yeah, I can snipe you every time. Every single time. <laughs> every single time I can snipe you. Well, we're going to have to, we'll, we'll update the pod. We will have to update yeah. the podcast listeners, the loyal sex addicts out there about our rookie draft haul. So we'll be able to do that for you guys um, sometimes next, next week. But before, like we said, we got to, we got to get to the final chapter here. These last two divisions, the NFC South and the AFC West, two very interesting divisions. One of them, uh, probably the most talented division in all of football, which mm, is going to be a blast yeah. to go over before we start to break those down. Got to talk to you guys about our presenting sponsor, our friends over at Jock Market. That is Jock MKT. Their motto, stop betting, start trading. It is the coolest concept. If you are out there and you've dabbled in just overall sports betting, daily fantasy, regular fantasy, whatever it is, if you've liked any of those, you have to check this out because it's got different elements of each. It's a great combination of all of them. And instead of, say, you look at a team and you go, okay, I, I like this team tonight. I like them to cover or I like them to win outright. 
Instead, it's player matchups. It's more in the details. You go, man, I like this guy. He's been skating well. He's been hitting well. He's been he's been shooting well. Whatever it is, I love this matchup. I want to bet on his individual performance. You could do that. You could throw some money on the line. Uh, they have all they have guaranteed cash payouts at the end of every single night. You can see exactly how it works over at jockmkt.com backslash PFF. If you deposit right now up to a hundred dollars, they're going to match you up to 100%. So you throw in $80 of your own money, you're going to get an extra free $80 to play with courtesy of our friends at jock market. You can check them out at jock market, jockmkt.com backslash PFF or on the app. That's how Connor and I use it, which is a very easy way to check all these things out. So make sure you do that as well. Connor, where do you want to start today? What, uh, what team do you want to start with? What division do you want to start with uh, with these final two divisions here for this? I think we usually start with the NFC, so we'll stay there. We're going right. to start with the NFC South, um, and we're going to start, I think, on a good note with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I think this we have to start note. with the Atlanta Falcons. This, this was you know, a team that is clearly rebuilding with the trade of Matt Ryan and the failed pursuit of Deshaun Watson, and obviously going into a year where Marcus Mariota is their projected starter. Uh, a relatively new regime on both ends of the front office and coaching staff. So first overall, uh, first round pick for the Falcons, eighth overall wide receiver Drake London from USC. Two second round picks, and they used it both on the defensive side of the ball in the front seven. Arnold Ibakati, the pass rusher from Penn State, uh, 38th overall. Troy Anderson, 58th overall, the linebacker from Montana State. And then two third round picks. So they were really busy on day two of this draft. They took Desmond Ritter, the quarterback from Cincinnati with that first third rounder. And the second third rounder, they took D'Angelo Malone, another edge pass rusher from Western Kentucky. A fifth round pick, they took Tyler Algier, the running back from BYU. Two sixth round picks to close out this draft. Staying local, Justin Schaffer, the guard from Georgia. And staying local again, John Fitzpatrick, a blocking tight end from Georgia. Trevor, what'd you love with this draft? Well, first of all, I'm very proud of you for remembering to recap the entire draft before the we get into our little segments. Draft grade show I'm is the first time I remembered to actually read the picks. So we're if you guys time. have listened to these shows before, uh, how we break things up is we're going to go with loved, liked, and then some didn't get questions. And then, of course, we'll give you an overall grade. So Connor asked what I loved. What did I love about this draft? I loved Arnold Ebicati at the top of the second round. I loved that they were able to navigate the draft that way, work the intel, feel like they didn't have to force a pass rusher, yep. which they desperately needed at the top, went with the player they really liked in Drake London, and instead were able to get what I think is is a perfect guy who can come in and contribute right away, which is what they need in Arnold Ebicate. Love the fact that they took a chance on Desmond Ritter where they did. Cannot believe that he fell that far. And it was kind of the perfect situation for me for the Atlanta Falcons. I was wondering if maybe, you know, pre-draft, we were talking about three quarterbacks going in the first round, right? Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis. Desmond Ritter probably going in the first round. We were thinking, man, could one of those guys be an option for the Falcons at number eight overall? And if they're not, are you getting a quarterback that you even like at the top of the second round? Well, turns out they got a pretty damn good quarterback at the top of the third round in Desmond Ritter. So it's kind of a little bit of luck there and how the quarterbacks fell in this draft, but I loved how they capitalized on that. Loved D'Angelo Malone as well. Just no pass rush to be seen along this defensive line going into this draft. And so I, I liked the athletic upside and the overall readiness of Arnold Ebicade, I think is an older pass rush prospect to be able to come in and contribute right away. Something that the Falcons definitely need. Loved those three liked Drake London uh, and Tyler Algier. Now, I think a lot of people are going to be like, Trev, Drake London was your wide receiver too. Mm. What gives? Why is he not a love? Well, he's just a, he's not a love for me simply because there were so many areas where the Falcons could have gone pass rush wise pass protection wise that I still like the pick Drake Jack Drake London anybody who's listening to me talk about Drake London they know how much I like him how incredible I think he's going to be in that Falcons offense especially once they get their solidified quarterback in there whether it's Mariota whether it's Ritter whether it's somebody down the line I think Drake London is going to be a steady wide receiver one for them for years and years and years but there are plenty of wide receivers they do have trench needs and so I just bumped it down to a like but y'all know how I feel about Drake London I, lo I like Tyler Algier as well getting him in the fifth round. I think it is a great spell to what um, Cordero Patterson is for them as a player who they were going to want to move around a lot, using a lot of different ways, emphasize that athleticism, more of a downhill rusher, uh, somebody who can do a lot of work between the tackles, making things happen through contact. So I love that pick. 
the don't get for me sort of Troy Anderson again because when I look at this class I go okay you had pass rush needs you had pass protection needs the offensive line is not good in Atlanta you went wide receiver okay I get it playmaker wide receiver was also very barren Arnold Libicate I just praised how much I like that pick and then you pick a linebacker in the third I would have liked to see some trenches uh, on the offensive side of the ball emphasized there. I think I probably would have subbed out some sort of offensive line selection a little bit. Uh, that number two, that uh, second second overall pick is probably where I would have targeted that one there. But a lot of people like Troy Anderson. They like the athleticism there. A little worried about the physical, physical profile for him. But that's just my big question mark. If he works out and he's a fine football player, okay. I would have gone a different direction. I would have emphasized a little bit more in the trenches. But those were my overall thoughts on it. But Connor, all in all, this draft gets an A from me. Loved basically every single pick. Maybe has some question marks about the Anderson pick, but man, other than that, fantastic draft from Terry Fondo. I'm with you. Really, really good draft. I think when you look at it, um, it's hard not to love the pass rushing duo they got in Arnold Ebicati. Uh, and of course, D'Angelo Malone. I had some pretty good value on those picks. I had Ebicati in my top 30. He went 38th. I had D'Angelo Malone in my top 50 he went 82nd so i thought they knocked it out of the park to finally get this team pass rush help on both ends loved 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 those picks love the tyler algier pick i had him as my rb5 they got him in the fifth round so they, that was plus 70 on value for me with the falcons i think they did a really good job there liked drake london they needed wide receiver help they got two guys that can make plays on the ball in the air and kyle pitts and drake london and i liked troy anderson i do agree with your points though trev there they had a lot of needs so you wonder, taking a very, very athletic, but still a little bit of a project linebacker with a ton of upside, was that the move compared to all your other needs when you had this pick in the top 60? But I like Troy Anderson, the player, so I liked the pick, uh, didn't love the pick. There was nothing I didn't get with this draft. I, I think that they're a team that the, you know, the roster was a little bare. They had a lot of needs. I thought they went and saw premium needs as pass rusher. I was not a Desmond Ritter guy, and they still got value on that pick. I had him 68th overall. They took him 74th overall. What, what's the lose? If Desmond Ritter stinks, it doesn't matter. It's worth mm -hmm. the dart throw at that point. Yep. And, uh, you know, even Justin Schaffer is somebody that, you know, I, I thought they once again got really good value, a guy that can play in a pinch if you need him, a little limited as a guard, but can at least provide your offensive line some depth and help you run the football in, in a power system. So, Overall, I really like what the Falcons did. I, I see eye to eye with you on this draft. I gave it an A. I think it's a little bit of a long road for the Falcons in that division immediately. Rebuilding, wondering what the long-term answer is going to be a quarterback for Arthur Smith's offense. But at least they are finally aligning some pieces on both sides of the ball. Uh, that in the future, when in my opinion they do draft one of those, you know, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young kind of players, there are pieces in place to succeed. Yeah, uh, some offensive linemen that were still on the board when they picked Troy Anderson. I mean, you had Bernard Ryman. You That's had, a big uh, one. Donald Parham. You had Sean Ryan. You had Abraham Lucas, if you liked him as well. So, I mean, the the the, the Raymond uh, selection could have been a big one for them. I would have liked to see that over Troy Anderson. But again, I know that you uh, like the upside of them. A lot of other people do as well. So, I'm not killing the pick too much. But that is, if I had a don't get, it was prioritizing linebacker when you got offensive line yeah. question. One of our A's. I mean, not a lot of teams can say that on this series. It's Walk true. Walk around with an A, and we both gave the Falcons an A. Yeah, yeah. Next uh, next team, let's talk about the New Orleans Saints next. We got Chris Olave in the first round at number 11, traded up to go get him. Trevor Penning then at number 19, the offensive tackle from, uh, from Northern Iowa. Uh, Alante Taylor, the cornerback from Tennessee, a little bit older of a prospect. They got him in the second round at 49, just within the top 50. Then they did not pick until the fifth round. DeMarco Jackson, the linebacker from App State. And then the sixth round, Jordan Jackson, the edge rusher from Air Force. What did we think about this one, Connor? Uh, not my favorite draft. And they're working with limited capital because of all the trades they've made. Typically, this is what the Saints do. I didn't love anything. I liked Chris Olave. I think Chris Olave is going to be a really solid number two wide receiver in this offense. I think he knows how to get open. He knows how to track the ball. With opportunities from Jameis Winston, it, Chris Olave is going to be just fine. I actually like them going up and doing what a lot of contenders didn't, and that's being aggressive to get one of the first-round caliber wide receivers in this draft. So I do give the Saints a lot of credit for making that move. The problem is, Trevor, 
I didn't like a single pick after that by a pretty wide margin. I didn't value Trevor Penning in the first round. Uh, I didn't. I had Alante Taylor as a 161st overall player in this draft. They took him at 49. I thought he was a depth zone corner uh, that's going to have his struggles in man coverage despite his speed. Like you said, a little bit older of a prospect. I just I don't really think teams valued Alante Taylor as a top 75 player in this draft. And when you're the Saints and you got the two first rounders, you got the second rounder that's a top 50 pick. And then you don't pick until the fifth and sixth rounds. You got to hit on that top 50 pick. I, I don't think they did personally. So, you know, I, I just didn't like this draft. I don't really know how else to say it. I think the Saints are a good team. I think they're actually being underrated in the NFL. I think Jameis Winston, when he played last year, was pretty good. And I think that they have continuity uh, under Dennis Allen and a lot of veterans, a veteran additions, whether it's Honey Badger, Marcus May, you know, I think overall, once again, I think Michael Thomas coming back. I think this is a good football team. I didn't think this was a good draft. I think Chris Olave is going to be impactful. I would personally be very surprised if they got anything else from this draft, uh, more than an above average starter from this draft. And that's tough to say when you had not just the pick uh, you traded up at 11, but you had another top 20 pick and you had a top 50 pick. I just don't see upside with either of those guys personally. So I give it a C minus. I was a little tough on this draft. I think the Saints are a good team. Uh, didn't like how they played the board after Olave. Yeah, well, it's interesting when you try to bring in the trade elements as well for the Saints, who obviously moved some capital to get those two first-round picks anyways with the Philadelphia Eagles to move from getting 18 to 16 and 19 as their picks that they had to start the evening. If you break it up between those two picks and you include the picks that they moved to go up from 16 to 11 to go get Chris Olave, essentially you're trading um, – Pick 18, which they had originally, the 101st pick, the 98th pick, and the 120th pick. So a first, two-thirds, and a fourth to go up and get Chris Olave. That's fine. But then also traded a 2023 first and a 2024 second for the 19th pick, which got them Trevor Penning. That's the way that you would want to divide it up, right? That's the way that you would yeah. want to, I think, most evenly say, okay, we moved all these picks to get a dynamic wide receiver and an offensive tackle of the future. I'm not the biggest penning fan. This podcast is not the biggest penning podcast. And so I love them getting Chris Olave. I got to say that objectively in a vacuum, if you will, him on the field with Jameis Winston. We know that Jameis is going to be a vertical passer. Like he has to be. You can only you can only keep the tiger in the cage so long, right? I mean, like eventually he's going to have to get to a point where his back's against the wall. They're going to need him to turn into that gunslinger kind of player. And with that uh, deep pass savant like Chris Olave is going to go a long way for them, especially think because because I think that uh, Michael Thomas is much more of a quick hit underneath short to intermediate guy. Chris Olave can be a great compliment to that as the over the top player. I think that they're going to benefit that a lot from him. I like Jackson, but he's a fifth round pick the linebacker there. I think he's kind of just yeah. a depth player, maybe a rotation guy. He was kind of the field general in the middle for app state. So I do like that pick the, uh, the Alante Taylor and the Trevor Penning picks are the ones that I kind of have a little bit of umbrage with not the biggest Penning fan. Taylor's a little bit older of a prospect. I guess the Saints are really feeling like they're just in win-now mode, though. You know, like you got to go get the offensive lineman to fill the hole from Teron Armstead, right? So you had to do that. You had to make a move along the offensive line. And then Taylor, I suppose that they're thinking, hey, he's an older prospect. Hopefully he can come in, contribute right away, give us a secondary boost. So maybe they're thinking that as well. And he loved the draft, especially for all the picks that they gave up to go get their players. That's kind of what the Saints do. I, I would give this like a C or a C plus, but I do think the return on investment could be high for this team. If Penning pans out, certainly because he's going to have a chance to right away. And then if they need Jameis to become from behind gunslinger, Jameis and Olave is kind of able to pop the first season. So I'm going to give it a C plus, but maybe I'm a little bit of a hater on it. Maybe we're just a little bit of haters yeah, here on, bit. This, on this podcast, but uh, that's kind of where I, where I'm at with it. And now I, I, now I th see this draft. Yeah. Well, it, once again, think the Saints are a good team. Think they make a lot of great pro personnel moves. Think they make a lot of great aggressive moves. But I think after the Alave pick, this draft just did not do it for me. And I'd be a stone cold liar if I said anything else. I mean, I had Penning 28 spots later than where he got drafted. I had Alante Taylor 112 spots later than when he got drafted. I had Demarco Jackson 25 spots later than when he got drafted. I just, if you guys have been listening to the show by now, I'm gonna call it how I see it and there's always a chance that some of my rankings will be way off but I'm gonna ride with them so hey that's what that's what the instant grades are right I mean these guys are. these guys haven't played it down in the NFL no. yet so what we are grading them off of is 
the process and how they got yeah. to the players and the picks and where they were versus our big board. And that's kind of just what it is. We don't we don't think it's the be all end all, but it's an instant grade show. So we're telling you about the process. All right, Carolina Panthers, uh, first Ooh. round pick, sixth overall, Iki Iquanu. Bit of a surprise Iki made it there. I think Panthers fans are ecstatic Should about be. that outcome. Next pick, third round, Matt Corral, 94th overall. Bit of a slide for the quarterback from Mississippi. Round four, Brandon Smith, the linebacker from Penn State. Two sixth round picks, Amari Barno, the uh, kind of hybrid backer edge player from Virginia Tech. And then Cade Mays, a guy that's played everywhere on the offensive line for Tennessee. And then uh, Kalen Barnes, the blazing corner from Baylor in the seventh round. That guy can absolutely fly. So, Panthers, um, I have to apologize to our Panthers listeners of the show for mocking them Kenny Pickett for month after months after months after months. And I think they walked out all in all in a really, really good situation, all things considered. Trev, what did you think of this draft? I can recap this draft in three words, all right? We are sorry. No. Well, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, that, that is a good way to do it. But uh, at the top, Iki Kwanu, we've got, well, actually, I'm just going to say the one word for each pick, okay? Beef, swag, speed, speed, beef, speed. That's the entire draft for the Carolina Panthers in order yeah. of how they picked everybody. Iki Kwanu, yeah. beef. Matt Corral, swag. Brandon Smith, speed. Amari Barno, speed. Cade Maids, beef. Kalen Barnes speed. Okay. Like that's just, they were going, they were basically, it was just a beef and speed draft. I don't know if that's an order at a, at a, at a takeout place somewhere, but in Carolina, it could be at this point because that is how I feel like the Carolina Panthers approached this draft. They were very lucky to get a heat quanta where they did. You, you and I talked about this so much during the pre-draft process. They had two major needs, quarterback, left tackle. You had one pick to do it. You were picking six yep. overall, and you weren't picking again until the fourth round. If you traded down, there was a good chance you weren't going to get a good enough caliber of an offensive lineman for it to matter. And if you were picking a quarterback in the second and the third round, history tells you you might as well have just thrown away that pick because they often do not work out. So it was a bad situation for them to potentially trade down. It could have made you feel good in the moment, but in practicality and process, it probably wasn't going to work out for you. And instead, this is essentially, I have to give this draft an A for the Carolina Panthers because I don't I, I I cannot imagine a better case scenario than them getting one of the big three offensive linemen at number six overall. The quarterback's falling enough for them to at least take a at least take a chance on Matt Corral. At least have the ability to pick one of the quarterbacks that could at least give you faith right away. So I think the fact that they landed those two guys, the draft basically has to be an A even after those first two. Brandon Smith, former five star player, brings a lot of the speed to the uh to the second level of the defense. He's a more slender linebacker player who is built more on speed than he is on power. I think he's got to get a little bit stronger at the next yeah. level to make sure that he can hold up and be a three down. Um, be a three down linebacker there. He's got to be able to play either middle linebacker or will linebacker, but he's got to have that strength profile and honestly the anticipation, the coverage, the reps, everything to be able to play both. That's how he's going to maximize the value there. Mari Barno basically had the fastest edge 40 that we've ever seen. Yeah. Um, Cade Mays, which I mean, you love, you love the burst off the edge. That's what you're going for there. Um, Cade Mays, former five-star offensive lineman from Tennessee, who, man, I mean, he is just, he's a mauler. He, he's a guy who yep. you, you want to get those guys. He's probably going to play on the interior. A lot of people thought, okay, maybe his future is at offensive tackle. No, that I think that kind of went out the window. I think he's much more of an interior offensive lineman. He's kind of proved that over the last couple of years. And then Kalen Barnes almost broke the, uh, the, the 40 yard dash record. Uh, as a cornerback who brings you a ton of speed there. So you're just upping the speed in the secondary, which is never a bad thing, especially with a pick as late as the seventh round, being able to get him at that spot. So honestly, Connor, I, I love the first two picks. I think this draft is an A right after Iki Aquanu and Matt Corral. You don't even need to see anything else, but I like the rest of the draft. I did. They were just taking swings with high ceiling guys, either athleticism or size. So I liked it, man. This is another draft that gets an A for me. I really like the approach, right? I loved the Iki Aquanu pick. I loved the Matt Corral pick. Um, Iki was what I thought the best player in this draft. Corral, I had him as the 49th overall player. They took him 94th. So I'll say this right now. I know Corral has his current shortcomings as a guy that, you know, schematically is going to have big adjustments at the next level and decision-making is going to have big adjustments at the next level. But just athletically, and based off of arm talent, 
there are going to be a lot of people in training camp that summer looking around and going, sure, we don't want to play this guy over what we've already seen from Sam Darnold. Right. Are we sure? And I, and I don't even know if I, like, I think Corral needs time. He's far away from being a week-by-week starter. But physically and athletically in training camp, I think Matt Corral is going to turn some heads when he's throwing side-by-side with Sam Darnold. So love those picks. Get into the like. I like Amari Barno because you're just, like you said, Trev, taking an athlete at edge. There's times where he gets lost on tape, but he's so athletic and there are splash plays that you bet on that in the sixth round. Then you look at the Cade Mays pick. He's somebody that 35 starts for Georgia, 19 at right guard, 12 at right tackle, 2 at left guard, 2 at left tackle, 17 starts for Tennessee, 11 at right tackle, 6 at right guard. I agree with you. He's going to play guard at the next level. But that kind of versatility and game experience in the SEC uh, and that amount of starts, I mean, is it's pretty crazy to have over 50 starts and they're split up between four different positions at the college level. Speaks a lot to Cade Mays and the kind of depth he can provide on the offensive line right away, uh, which, you know, Carolina has has dealt with depth issues or, or experienced what it's like being a little thin on offensive line. And you got a stud and icky. The only pick I didn't get, and this is really nitpicking, I hate to even do this, is Brandon Smith. I, I just, I didn't, I wasn't a big Brandon Smith guy. He's an amazing athlete. It's just, he's, he has not figured it out on the field. There's mm-hmm. no instincts. Um, like you said, a little bit of a lighter guy. He's a dynamic athlete. If they have a special teams plan for him, he might be a big time contributor there. But I don't think he could be on the field anytime soon for Carolina. So nitpicking there. I thought, you know, they reached on him. I gave this an A-. I thought the Panthers had an awesome draft when they really, really needed to have one. And it goes back to my Falcons argument a little bit, you know, with Ritter and Corral are similar, where, hey, if they're not the the guy, it's not really a big deal. And if there's a next guy coming in, he's walking into a situation where he is at least has a chance to develop and succeed. And having a cornerstone like Icky on that offensive line with all the weapons they have, the Panthers at least have built now an infrastructure that it might not be pretty this year, and that's just the reality. But in 2023, 2024, they have a foundation in place for a young quarterback to develop. A minus. So that's two drafts for us that we've both given A's. That has not been very rare on the series so dude, far. I, dude, I have I, I have at least one more A to go in this episode. I have one in my back pocket as well. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right, so Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that's the last team in this uh, division in the NFC South that we have to talk about here. First round, didn't have a first round pick. They ended up trading back from 27 to 33. They They lied to Lewis Seen. Did you see that? Yeah. Dude, that happens. I can't tell you how many of those happen, though. I feel bad for Lewis Seen. I get it, but like that happens multiple times every single year as long as we've been on this earth and drafts have happened. So for those who I want to, I want to get the quote up right here. Uh, for those of you who missed this, um, I don't, I don't know where this quote came from, but Lewis said, quote, I had a team at 27. They know who they are. I'm not going to say no names. It was at 27. Okay. Lewis. Well, we, we, we know what team was picking at 27. The whole process, they said, if you're there, we're going to pick you. They moved down uh, to the second round, and I'm like, damn, they really did me so dirty. So that was obviously Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was sitting there at number 27. If you guys listen to the guest mock draft series, you know for a fact that Lewis Seen was one of the five players that John Ledyard talked about that they liked, that they had on the board. Yeah. Turns out he was probably their top guy, but they, I think that going back to what John was talking about, Lewis Seen, Logan Hall, Trey McBride, like all of those guys were right in the mix and Tampa sitting there at 27 have a chance to pick up some extra draft picks, go to the top of the second round. And they think we're guaranteed to get one of these guys. We're guaranteed to get one of the players that we like if we trade down to 33. So they did just that. Lewis ends up going number 32 overall to the Minnesota Vikings in the final pick of the first round, right before the bucks picked at 33. So look, he understandably probably wanted to go to the bucks. Well, yeah. Why wouldn't he? Look, living in Minnesota or living in Tampa. I'm sorry. I'll do respect to everybody who lives in Minnesota. I love you dearly. Tom Brady, Super Bowl chances are rookie. Once again, I will die on the hill that Todd Bowles is the best safety developer in the NFL of the last 10 years. Also important. But, you know, he gets to play next to to Harrison Smith. So, anyways, 
Gonna be doing a lot of tackling. Lewisine. Lewisine. Just kidding. He is absolutely allowed to feel like that. 100%. He is allowed to feel like that. And you know what? The Bucks are allowed to do what they did. And I would say that about any team. I'm not just saying that because it's a Tampa team. I'm saying that about any team. Connor, you mentioned it before I even read the quote. This happens every year. Every single year, teams tell a guy, we will take you if you are there. Hell, the biggest, the biggest regret that the Bucs might have in franchise history is in Aaron Rodgers' draft. John Gruden called him the week of the draft and said, if you are there when we pick, we're picking you. Guess what happened? They didn't pick him. Happens all the time. You hate to see that, don't you? Anyways. Yeah, you don't like you do not love it. Let me just say that. Hey, you know, it's a look, it it all put Tampa on the road to Brady. So, you know, it's, it's yeah. That was a, it was a, it was the long game. Gruden was yeah, just playing yeah. a long game. Yeah. Uh, all right, number 33 overall. They took Logan Hall, the defensive lineman from Houston. Uh Luke Gadecki, the offensive lineman from Central Michigan, uh, the second round at number 57. No, or uh third round pick. They had Rashad White, the running back from Arizona State, fourth round, Kate Otten, and then uh Jake Camarda, the punter from University of Georgia, who we had listed incorrectly on draft night on the PFF draft show. I thought they picked a kicker and I was freaking out because I was like, why the hell would they pick a kicker? This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. They have Ryan Suckup. What, like, did Ryan Suckup die? Did he retire? What happened? Why are they picking a kicker? And he's a punter because we had it listed wrong. So that's on me. You know, that's my. Did thing. you have a little like meltdown moment? Well, I was I, a little bit because I was like, what What are we doing? Why nuts? What? Just why would sick? we do this? So, uh, anyways, uh, Zion McCollum. Um, the cornerback for Sam Houston State. They got him in the fifth round. Go Keefe, tight end from Minnesota in the sixth round. And then Andre Anthony, the edge rusher from LSU in the seventh. Connor, what'd you love? What'd you like? And what didn't you understand here with this Tampa pick? I uh, love the K. Dotton pick, though they got great value on that. I think he fits everything they need. I, I thought he was a good blocker. Um, I read one of those blurbs the other day. I can't remember what it was. And I want to throw anyone under the bus, but it was one of those like fantasy blurbs. And it was like, at 245 pounds, he, he's probably not going to be able to get on the field as a blocker. And I'm like, Cade Otten had like a 1,000 blocking snaps at Washington. He's a very adequate blocker. He's a classic Tampa tight end. Uh, I think he's going to be just fine there. He catches everything in the 5 to 12-yard range. I really liked that pick and, and think he could play right away. I, I, Gronk's going to come back and just miss all these yeah, OTAs see. and all that stuff. But it's still good to have insurance. Gronk gets banged up. And they lost O.J. Howard, of course, you know, this offseason as well. So... Uh, really, I love the Otten pick. I liked the Logan Hall pick. I liked the Gadecki pick. And I liked Zion McCollum pick as well. Zion was my favorite developmental corner in this draft. He is a elite athlete, an incredible athlete. Um, I think he could be a top flight gunner right away that's going to learn how to play corner in Todd Bowles' system on the outside. So I really, really liked that pick. I think Gadecki could start at guard. I have no problem with that. I know he played tackle in college. He could start at guard for the Bucs if they need him to. Yep. I think Logan Hall will need some time, but they're not going to ask him to be a superhero right away. They just want him to come in and rush. So I liked the Logan Hall pick. The only thing I really didn't get with this draft, because it wasn't, this was not like a sex appeal draft at, at all. It was like, no. we just need, we have our needs. We're going to get them. And you're just going to have to deal with that. And they did a good job doing that because they are a Super Bowl contender. I'm not the biggest Rashad White guy. I thought he was a really nice top of day three kind of running back. Uh, they took him in the third, not top of day three, more middle of day three running back. Well, you, I, I know he had, he's a little bit elusive. I don't think he's a great athlete. I think he's just a solid player. Um, they passed on a lot of running backs I liked more than him. So we'll see how that one works out. But this was a B minus to me. I thought the Bucks, considering their resources, had a rock solid draft. They attacked needs and they already have the foundational players they need in place on the pro side that they're going to be going for a Super Bowl again. Uh, I will just say that this was a classic Jason Light draft. Every like every single player is just a classic. Very meat and potatoes draft. Jason no Light player, right? I mean, yeah. just from the, I, I I love the Gadecki pick. I think that you're yes. right. He played offensive tackle. He's going to play on the interior for the Bucks. He could even play right away this season. He is after listening to his interviews. Uh, I mean, like this dude is a eats a bowl of nails for breakfast without any milk. Yes. You know, like that kind of player. I'm sure Jason Light loved him from the moment that he found out what kind of personality that he had yeah. and you like he his mows the lawn well. after practice like that like yeah 100 so like yeah. he's I, I i'd love that pick i think that's great them getting zion mccollum and taking a chance on him to develop him with potentially 
conflicting cornerback contracts with Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean coming up a year from now. I think that that was smart to get on that corner group and to take a chance on a guy who has a uniquely high ceiling as an athlete, I think was nice. I like the Logan Hall pick. I like the Rashad White pick. I like the Kate Otten pick. I think those are all solid players who kind of, like I said, um, uh, Logan Hall is like a better version of William Golston, they're hoping. Mm. Yep. They kind of already have there. Kate Otten is a better version of uh, Anthony Auclair when they drafted Anthony Auclair, right? Where, where they, they want this guy who can be a rock solid inline tight end for you, who could also give you a little bit more in the passing game than Anthony Auclair was able to do. So that's why he's picked earlier, but like that's the mold that they were going for. Rashad White, obviously a Tom Brady preference because he threw the ball to James White so much. He just sees White on the back of the jersey, immediately just goes pinpoint straight to the hands, third down back. I'm obviously kind of kidding right there, but uh, I do think that he's going to be a third down specialist for them. Uh, I think you're onto something. Listen, I I said that I was kind of joking. I mean, Tom Brady complained about the number rule change. He's a man of of consistency. He did not like when guys could change their numbers to single digits. So this is very true. What was James? What was was James White number twenty five? With the ah, you think White? I would know it considering he caught seven hundred passes <laughs> against the New York Jets. Twenty eight, twenty eight. He was twenty eight. Is anybody on the Bucks roster twenty eight? Bucks oh, roster. Yeah, let's take a look. I uh, I need to know because if you, I got you, I got you. Brady's run gonna, away with. Brady's gonna pay him to pick twenty eight. Uh yes, Richard Robinson. No, Jets, Bra- no, 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 legend. No, no, no. Brady's sorry. Gonna, Brady is gonna. Brady's gonna. Brady's gonna pay out his contract. To just get him off the team and get <laughs> he's just Shard Robinson holding on to twenty eight. Man, Todd Bowles must love him. I didn't know he was still in the league. Big up Shard Robinson. The only thing that I didn't like about this draft is just some of the players that they prioritized. Right, like they pick Logan Hall. I would have rather had them pick Kyler Gordon or Travis Jones. Right, I think it's that kind Travis of situation. Travis Jones, where, I agree with. Yes. Yeah, and it's it's just like there's. A couple of put like like I like the Gadecki pick, uh, so like I'm not I'm not gonna nitpick that one too much. Um, it's just some of the players that they prioritized where they did. It was never not going to be this way because, like I said, this is a classic Jason Light draft. So it's hard for me to be too hard on this when I yep. I know that this was always how it was going to be. Uh, so I mean, honestly, it's B B plus yeah. something like that. This this was always the draft that Tampa was going to have. So it's hard to be too difficult on it. They went into this draft with a plan. They came out of it with the exact players that they probably wanted. The only guy that they probably would, they really wanted that they didn't get. I'm sure they liked Lewis Seam, but obviously you got to make choices there. Maybe they wish they would have been able to get Trey McBride if he slipped a little bit further in the second round. But other than that, these are probably the exact players they wanted. Yeah, you know this team as well as anyone. They just strike me as a team that like they find their guys and they're like, Yep, 100%. Yep, we'll, we'll take them. Yep. Don't care. Yep. It, the, Every board will tell us we're 20 spots too early. We don't care. And we'll sometimes it's that's okay. That's, and sometimes that's dangerous thinking, right? Yes. But the Bucks are pretty damn good at team building. I think that Jason yeah. Light has earned the right to be kind of get the benefit of the doubt in this and to, to just yes. to, to believe that he's going to pick the right players. And especially, of course, guys, Tom Brady helps. I get it. But um, I think that they picked the guys that they were always going to pick. Uh, Before we move on to the next division, got to tell you guys about our friends over at Sunday. Does your lawn have weeds, bear patches, pet spots? Well, Sunday can help you solve all of these problems and more the easy way. They've got everything you need from fertilizer to seeds to weed control, all delivered right to your door. Sunday can help you grow a beautiful lawn without the guesswork or, which is this very key, the nasty chemicals. Their custom plans include fertilizer and everything you need to easily take care of your lawn. And you can feel good with the kids playing around, the pets playing around, all that. None of that chemical stuff. Just attach the ready-to-use pouch to the garden hose and spray. Takes 15 minutes. That's it, guys. Sunday is offering our listeners 20% off. Full season plans start at 129 and you can get 20% off of that at checkout when you visit GetSunday.com slash NFL. That is 20% off your custom lawn plans at getsunday.com slash NFL. All right, Connor, this is it. Final division. It is the AFC West. I think it's safe to say we saved the best for last. Maybe not the best draft classes, but certainly the best division in the NFL, which was on an arms race that we may have never seen in NFL history this past offseason. So what team are we starting with here in the AFC West? Let's kind of start with the the team that's the darling of 
you know, the the choice to make the biggest jump, I think, in the NFL, and that would have to be the Los Angeles Chargers. Ooh, Everything okay. for the Chargers screams, man, they're they're ready, right? I really do. Gotta be. Right? Gotta be. You got a star at quarterback. You have the Khalil Mack trade. Now Joey Bosa's per- put in perfect positions where they have two top flight edge rushers. You got a coach that is... Uh, very, very aggressive in unique ways. You got a ton of weapons. This is a good football team. And the problem is, as you will hear on the show, the other three teams in this division are freaking awesome as well. So the, we'll start with the Chargers draft here, Trevor. How could we do anything else? And these drafts matter so much for these teams trying to get any edge they can in this division. The Chargers' first-round pick was Zion Johnson, offensive lineman, most likely guard from Boston College third rounder because they had no second rounder that was in the Khalil Mack trade JT Woods the free safety from Baylor bit of a ball hawk round four Isaiah Spiller the running back from Texas A&M round five uh, Otito Ogbanya the defensive tackle from UCLA round six Jamari Sawyer a versatile offensive lineman but most likely ready to play guard at the next level from Georgia Uh, Jasir Taylor the defensive back from Wake Forest uh, Dean Leonard, the defensive back from Mississippi, and Xander Horvath, the fullback versatile player from Purdue. So, Trevor, a good amount of picks here. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of very popular names in the draft community. What do you think? What do you think of this draft? Man, I when I go to the what I loved about this draft category, I love the two offensive linemen that they were able to pick up. And it's funny that they got these two guys as far apart as they did. Zion Johnson in the first round and then Jamari Sawyer in the Insane, sixth round. By the way, I, I would have thought Jamari Sawyer was a lot closer to third. Maybe yeah, I thought he'd go in the pick. top 100 personally. Yeah, man. Like I, I thought that. He was going way earlier than this, so I, I wonder if he's banged up. I wonder if it's health concerns. I wonder what it is with him because, I, look, I, okay, maybe he's not playing offense tackle in the NFL. Still, dude's going to be a damn good guard as long as he's healthy, but yeah. who knows? Well, we'll see if something kind of comes out about that. That's the only thing that I can think of about why he would have been uh, somebody who slipped that far. But I love those two additions, right? Uh, I, I think that when you look at this team and – how much they're going to emphasize the pass and get the most out of Justin Herbert's incredible arm. You've got to be able to protect. You've got to be able to keep them upright. You've got to even, even an extra half a second uh, preventing guys from collapsing the pocket from the inside, from those three tech, one tech, zero technique positions, uh, the blitzes that'll come up the middle, right? If you can hold that front of the pocket right in front of the quarterback, it's just so valuable, especially knowing that you have a player like Rayshon Slater on the left side. Now, I think that they're still working out who exactly is going to be the right tackle. But, you know, you figure that out at some point. You've got a really healthy, strong interior offensive line, and then you got two guys that you got faith in, hopefully at some point, to uh, to play on the outside at offensive tackle. They know they have that with Slater, but uh, we'll see who who's going to be right tackle. I think Storm Norton is still supposed to be the right tackle which isn't the best thing in the world but you know i all that to say i love that they emphasize the interior i love that they are putting their money where their mouth is drafting their franchise quarterback seeing him go the f off and then just really making sure that the big boys in front of them are as good as they need to be i liked uh abonia atito abonia because i think that he is a strong stout run defender in the middle uh, he brings a lot of size to that interior defensive line. So I like that they were building through both of the inside of the trenches there. I like the Isaiah, Isaiah Spiller pick. I wasn't the yeah. biggest Isaiah Spiller fan, but where they got him, what was it? Fourth round, right? Fourth yeah. round pick, 123 in the draft. I mean, like that, at that point, okay. You know, you go, yeah. you go get him, make him a rotational back. I think that you look at what he was able to do and the flashes and the strengths and what you saw him do at Texas A&M. You say, okay, like I'll take that in the fourth round. Sure. A lot of people were talking about him as like RB1, maybe a first round running back. And that's where I had a lot of pushback on. I was like, okay, no, 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 no. We're not even close to that. But fourth round, hell yeah. I think it's a good pick. So I like the Isaiah Spiller pick. I like JT Woods pick as well. I think he's uh, a safety who's got good athleticism. He's an explosive dude. I think that certain parts of his game when it comes to like flipping the hips or just like changing direction, he's not as fluid with that as he is like in a straight line speed explosive. When you see him like when the ball's in the air and he's got kind of like a straight line path towards the angle of the ball flight, he can really fly and get to that point. He needs to anticipate things a little bit better. Do I think be that rangy safety that they can really depend on? The only thing that I didn't like about this draft is I guess they're good at corner and wide receiver, which is mm. fine. But, you know, we sat here at number 17 doing mock drafts for the Chargers. And a lot of times we would, if Jordan Davis made it this far, we'd be like, okay, Jordan Davis, 
uh, if a corner made it this far, like a Trent McDuffie, mm-hmm. uh, then we would say, okay, maybe you're going to get a Trent McDuffie. You're going to push um, Asante Samuel inside. Or are you just going to give yourself versatility for one of those guys to go inside and out? And then wide receiver as well. But when you look at the depth chart, you go, okay, like I can see why they didn't totally go for a premium resource in, in, in that spot. They've got Jalen Guyton. They've got Keenan Allen. They have Mike Williams. Um, they had Gerald Everett. They've got Josh Palmer, right? They've got all those guys at the receiving weapons. You have Austin Eckler, who is a receiving weapon himself out of the backfield. So I think that they're okay there. At corner, you signed JC Jackson, which is huge. You still do have Michael Davis. You've got Asante Samuel Jr. Um, Bryce Callahan's on this team. So I guess I get it. And that's why I'm, I'm not very harsh on this draft. I think it's like an A minus, B plus. I ended up giving it a B plus, but if you wanted me to give it an A minus, I could be kind of talked into that. Because I do. I think that it was a really great draft for him. Maybe not as big of a home run with names as we thought it might be for Los Angeles. But as long as they're cool with what they've got at corner and wide receiver, I liked how they went about the rest of it. What do you think? I'm with you. I gave it a B plus. I love the Spiller and saw your picks. I just think that Spiller, in my opinion, is the running back they've been missing for a little bit now. Maybe even since Melvin Gordon left. I love Austin Eckler, but he's a totally different player than what Isaiah Spiller brings. Spiller can be that early down bruiser that gets you some tough yards that when Eckler's banged up, he's going to be the guy, in my opinion. So I loved that pick. Jamari Sawyer was my 58th overall player. They got him at 195. There's not a lot of picks that represent that kind of value in this draft to me. Like you said, Trevor, is there something we don't know? I haven't heard anything. So I think Sawyer is a future starter in the league. The fact they got two building block guards in this draft and Zion Johnson in the first round Sawyer in the sixth round was excellent so I love Sawyer love Spiller liked Zion I I, I can't sit here and say I loved it I thought he was a back end round one kind of guy that took him 17th like you said there were some better players on the board but you really feel good about his floor so I thought they had a good draft Uh, JT Woods to me was a little early but they wanted a defensive back with ball skills, and he was one of the guys in this draft that he has a clear resume and tape of finding the football. So I can't even get on that pick too much. I gave it a B plus. Really, really liked what the Chargers did, and I know this division is going to be an absolute dogfight, but I think they are poised to take that next step and be a playoff team. Let's move on to the Kansas City Chiefs. Hard to not like this one, Connor. I'm just I'm oh, just going to be straight up even before I read the names. Man, in the first round, they took two players, two players that um, I liked a lot. Trent McDuffie and George Karloftis at 21 and 30. The second round, they had two picks. Sky Moore, the wide receiver from Western Michigan. Brian Cook, the safety from Cincinnati. Third round, Leo Chanel, the linebacker out of Wisconsin. Fourth round, Joshua Williams, somebody that I talked about a lot pre-draft, the cornerback from Fayetteville State. Fifth round, Darian Kennard. How the hell did Darian Kennard last in the fifth round? The offensive lineman from Kentucky. Then uh, in the seventh round, they had Jalen Watts in the corner from Washington State. Um, Isaiah Pesco, uh, the running back from Rutgers. And then uh, Nazi Johnson, the safety from Marshall. What'd you think, Connor? How'd you like this draft? I loved it. Uh, It's one of my favorite drafts. I would say... The Ravens, that was the only one that I think I liked more. I think this was my second favorite draft out of the entire damn thing. I I just look at the Chiefs here. The best way I can explain it, they had an overall plus 258 value for me. They were just getting... Every time a player fell... That's a lot. That's a lot of value. Every time a player fell after the second round, they took him. And McDuffie, to me, great pick. Karloftis, where they got him, rock solid. Sky Moore, awesome fit. Brian Cook, awesome fit. A lot of those picks, besides Moore, were basically right where I had those guys. Then they went on this run where they were just getting value. Leo Chanel, Adam is the 55th overall player. I think he's a starter at inside linebacker. I called him a taller Nick Bolton. They already have Nick Bolton. Um, They got him at 103. I didn't even think about the absolute carnage that it's going to be with Bolton and Leo Chanel in the same linebacker room carnage carnage dude it's gonna be nuts josh williams a a corner that i really liked i like his length and speed had him in the top 100 they got him 135 darian canard i had him 61st they got him 145 i think he's a guard and that's fine imagine darian canard and orlando brown playing next to each other like there there's a lot with this team darian canard is this year's trey smith for them a guard that fell a million rounds and he's gonna come in and probably be able to play such a good call jalen watson 
Uh, a defensive back that I had in my top 200. They got him at 243. Even Pacheco, the running back from Rutgers, you know, I wouldn't say right in my backyard, but close enough here. He's got some burst, Trev. He was in a dog crap offense, but it wouldn't shock me if a couple injuries happened in the Chiefs' backfield and this guy can play. He could at least be a change of pace back. So I loved this draft. They killed the value. They got starters galore. They got role players galore. They got some developmental guys on the back end. But when you walk out of the draft and you got a minimum five starters, which I think they did, that's an A+. The Chiefs killed it. They they had a great draft. And I, I actually don't think Brett Veach is the, has been this incredible drafter. I think Reed and Mahomes at times have covered up some warts over the years of their drafts. I thought this was a total slam dunk for Kansas City. We don't have to spend too much time on this one because it's a draft that you and I talked about in the Monday immediately following the draft yeah. where it was like, this is one of our favorite drafts. It was just still, you mentioned it two on over 250 points of plus value of where Insanity. they picked guys compared to your big board. I mean, it just speaks to how much the chiefs were always in an opportunistic position. That's where their franchise is. That's where the front office mindset is. That's a process that you absolutely love. These are all players who have the chance to have massive dividends. And that is not even including the fact that they signed John Ross or Justin Ross as a undrafted free agent right? They won that sweepstakes, even though it wasn't as much of a sweepstakes as we thought it was going to be. And it's like, dude, you're getting Justin Ross as an undrafted free agent. As long as his health checks out and this guy can get on the field, it's still Justin freaking Ross. Yeah. And you got him as an undrafted free agent. Wild man. Just an absolutely uh, wild draft weekend for, for the chiefs. Truly one of my favorites, an absolute A, if not an A-plus, right there with the Ravens. I'm with you as one of the best draft classes uh, that there was. Let's move on to the Denver Broncos. Broncos obviously made the huge splash of the offseason by trading. Well, I can't even say that. This offseason was just off the freaking walls. But they traded for Russell Wilson. It was one of the biggest moves that we saw. So they didn't have a first-round pick. Moved for Russell Wilson there. Second-round pick, very end of the draft. Nick Benito, the linebacker, pass rusher from Oklahoma. In the third round, they got Greg Dolchich, the tight end from UCLA. Fourth round, they had a pair of fourth round picks. Damari Mathis, who is the cornerback slash maybe safety, depending on what you think of his athleticism from Pitt. And then uh, Yoma Awuzarike, the interior defensive lineman from Iowa State. Fifth round, uh, three fifth round picks. Delaren Turner, yell the safety from Oklahoma. Montreal Washington, the wide receiver from Sanford. And then Luke Wattenberg, the offensive lineman, probably a center from Washington. Sixth round, Matt Henningsen, the defensive lineman from Wisconsin, and then another Wisconsin player, Fayon Hicks, the cornerback there in the seventh round to round it all out. Connor, what'd you think? A little bit up and down, this one. I loved the Nick Benito and DeLaren Turner yell picks, ironically, both from Oklahoma. Benito, to me, was a very... I believe I compared him to Hassan Reddick, that kind of player for me in this draft. That he can, he's got juice off the edge. They signed Randy Gregory. They had Bradley Chubb. They they got something going there uh, I, with their edge pass rush. I really liked that pick. Delaren Turner Yell, I think, is a pretty explosive player on the back end and can be something for a fifth round pick. Honestly, the rest of it, Trevor, it really did nothing for me. They had four picks after Turner Yell. Uh, I had those guys as UDFAs, um, and it's two fifth-round picks, a sixth-round pick, and a seventh-round pick. I, I didn't I, I didn't even have those guys as priority UDFAs, so I didn't really understand what they were doing there. I thought Damari Mathis was a really good athlete, but a project that they took so early. Uh, Uazarike is somebody that I do like for what he is. I think he can contain and hold the point of attack and love a role. I wasn't as hot on as Dulcich as everyone else seemed to be. I think he's a one-dimensional tight end. He could run the seam for you. I don't think he'll ever be a blocker. I don't know if he's a good enough athlete to be a true weapon as a pass catcher only. I guess we'll see. Um, so I like Benito. I like Turner Yellow. Azarike is, is fine. I just This draft didn't do a lot for me. Now, they traded a lot of capital for Russ, so I want to give them their credit there. That doesn't fully factor into the grade, but I gave it a C plus. I just, I, I, my big question for Denver right now is uh, who's playing right tackle for a quarterback that has gotten banged up in the past. I don't like their right tackle situation. And I thought they had multiple opportunities to take a few swings at that in this draft. And they just didn't seem to care. Well, I seem to be higher on this draft than you are. I, 
first of all, I think Billy Turner's playing right tackle for him. That's so, not good. Billy Turner played, hey man, last two years have been the best years of his career with PFF grades, and he's played right tackle. So Green Bay finds a way to get something out of these guys. So look. Yeah, we'll see. Daniel Hackett's there. He's coming over from Green Bay. Maybe he knows how to like say stuff to Billy Turner to make him play good at right tackle. So I know that I know that they probably think that they've got a solid spot with Billy Turner at right tackle. So that's probably why they didn't emphasize it. I gave this I gave this draft a B plus and it's a little inconsistent of me here because at the beginning of this exercise last week we talked about okay how much are we factoring in the trades that it's a really fair point and like i mean if you're being honest this draft is an a with russ totally you you look at and not just not just objectively getting russ the fact that for the last two years george payton knew that he had aaron Rodgers as a potential on his team right before the draft last year when all the panic ensued he was basically the only team who would have been able to capitalize on aaron Rodgers had things gone like nuclear south immediately and he was the only team that was really poised to make that happen i genuinely believe that that is why they did not take a quarterback when they did because he believed that he could get aaron Rodgers at some point they miss out on aaron Rodgers, and then days later make a russell wilson trade happen incredible work by george payton and so if you like factor those things in this draft is an a but i'll get a give it a b plus because where i wasn't as high on nick benito as everybody else seemed to be I believe there were only a handful of spots in which Nick Benito could have really been maximized in the NFL, right? He has to be a stand-up player. He can't be a hand in the dirt guy, but he can't, but he's not even somebody who will be, it's not like you can look at every single odd front team in the NFL and be like, okay, just make him an outside linebacker and an odd front team. Well, no, that might not work either because if you don't have a heavy-handed outside linebacker, then all of a sudden you might be asking Nick Benito to play to the point of attack and play to strength on the line of scrimmage more than you would want him to, and that's not his role. Denver is one of those spots that makes a lot of sense for Nick Benito because they already have Randy Gregory. They have Bradley Chubb, they hope, in theory. They've got some beef on the interior now, which they like. They move on from Shelby Harris, and then they get a Wuzurike who I think could come in and, and be really nice there. They signed DJ Jones. Right, they've got Purcell as well still. Hopefully he could be a healthy person in that rotation. So all of a sudden, you free yourself up to maximize exactly what Nick Benito does really well. And that could be as a stand-up outside designated pass rusher on passing downs. should be huge. And then he's also done some work in some shallow zone coverage, right? Some yep. some zone coverage to the flats. He's an athlete, the really good athlete. And he can be an athlete in a group that Denver's linebackers right now are Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton. Like, if you just kind of, like, get him a little bit of rotation in there, get one of those guys off the field, you're getting a lot of more speed in the middle. So I actually have come around a little bit to the Nick Benito pick. I think this is good. I already mentioned it was Rike. I like Dulcich because he is a replacement for what they already lost with um, with Noah Fant going to the Seattle Seahawks. Mathis, I think, is a nice man coverage corner, but he does kind of struggle with athleticism, so we'll see what you get there. And then I think that they've clearly got a Wisconsin connection there, so I like the Wisconsin guys a, a good amount. The the only I, – I have don't I have none as in my don't get category, but you're right. I think offensive line is still a question mark with this team. It's something that they have to be very aware of, even though I figured they probably weren't going to invest heavily in it this draft. I would like for them to be honest with themselves about where their offensive line is. And if it ain't good this year, you better pour a bunch of resources into it the year after that. Because when you look at premium positions, Connor, I would tell you that the four premium positions in the NFL are quarterback, pass protector, pass rusher, and then a lockdown corner. Okay. They drafted a lockdown corner last year in Patrick Sertan. So they're going to have their CB1 for forever. They have Bradley Chubb, who they are hoping certainly can stay healthy. And then they went out and they spent money on Randy Gregory, which I think is important there. They have their quarterback for the next, they hope, four to five years of elite quarterback play in Russell Wilson. That means that the only premium position that you have not hit in the last two years via free agency or the draft is pass protector. So that it makes me think that their process is correct and how they are identifying how to build a team. And if the offensive line isn't what it's supposed to be, then they'll be able to improve upon that next year. But that's kind of how I see the Broncos. So I'm a little bit higher on them than you are. Oh, I totally get it. I think it's totally fair points. And once again, this is going to be a bloodbath, this division. So, so somebody's got to come indeed. out the loser. And we love the Chargers. We obviously love the Chiefs. Uh, I'm fascinated to see what the Broncos can do to keep up because they've done everything possible that they can. So it'll this will come down to coaching, this division. And that takes us to 
the Las Vegas Raiders, who have a new coaching staff under Josh McDaniels, a new regime, obviously. They've made a gigantic splash trading for Devontae Adams. But here were their draft picks. No first-rounder, no second-rounder. So their draft started in the third round. Dylan Parham, uh, interior offensive lineman from Memphis. Love it. Zamir White, running back from Georgia, was their first of two fourth-round picks. Neil Farrell, the two-gapping defensive tackle from LSU, their other fourth-round pick. Their fifth-round pick was Matthew Butler, a versatile defensive tackle from Tennessee. No sixth-round pick. Two seventh-round picks. Their Mumford Jr., the offensive lineman from Ohio State. And then Britton Brown, running back from UCLA. So, Trevor, our final draft recap, our final draft grade goes to a team that did not have a first or second round pick. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you loved? Yeah, I uh, love two picks. Love Dylan Parham. Uh, I, I really like them using their first pick on a guy that is, I, I believe is really talented that could play a long time in this league at a position that they also desperately needed interior offensive line. I think he gives you a lot of flexibility as a center or a left or right guard. He's played both positions. He's got the tight end background. He's a good athlete. He's got the versatility. I love that pick for him. I think it's going to be huge for him as a building block moving forward. Also really love the Zamir White pick. And I I talked about this on the desk for the PFF draft show. I like this pick the most because I think that Zamir White and his strengths as an early down back take some pressure off mm. Josh Jacobs to be this 300 carry workhorse. Think about when we all loved Josh Jacobs the most when he was at Alabama, he was a third down guy. Right. And I think that everybody looked at Josh Jacobs, at Alabama, and they were like, okay, this guy can be more than just what Alabama is using him as there's just so many good running backs at Alabama. And I think that that was the case, but I, I, I shoot, I'm watching how the Raiders have been using Josh Jacobs. And I think they're running him into the ground, man. I feel, I feel like he's got a lot of your option. Dude, I think he's got a lot of emphasis. Like, I think that they are just using this guy a ton. And by allowing him to get a little bit of a breather, have a guy who can who can work with you at, as an early down player, I think it's only going to maximize what Josh Jacobs is able to return for you. So that's why I love those two picks there. Uh, the picks that I liked, hold on, I lost my tab. Oh, I like Neil Farrell. I like Matthew Butler, and I like Britton Brown. Like I liked all three of those guys. I th- I thought the I thought the Las Vegas Raiders had a really nice draft, man. I gave this one a B plus at the end of the day, but uh, those are the picks that I loved, and those are the picks that I like. So I loved the their Mumford pick where they got him. Oh, I think he go. had his nice. struggles at guard uh, for Ohio State this year, but he's had a couple of years of starting tape out there. He's also played tackle, and I think he'll be fine. I really do. I think he'll be fine. I like where they got him. Um, and then you kind of nailed it. I liked almost every pick. I, I mean, seriously, they got a starter in Dylan Parham that's going to play center or guard for them down the stretch. You got Samir White, who I think is going to take over in 2023 as the starter. They didn't pick up Josh Jacobs' option. You got a two-gapping defensive tackle. They needed that really badly in Neil Farrell. You got a little bit more of a versatile three-tech, five-tech in Matthew Butler. Uh, I thought they did a good job with what they had. They, they really did. They didn't have a lot of picks to work with because they got a freaking stud in Devontae Adams, but... I thought the value they hit on, the needs they hit on, they invested in their offensive line. And where a guy like Mumford got passed by maybe two rounds later than I thought he would have went, he fits their kind of bruising scheme that I think McDaniels wants to run. So I don't know. I I look at this draft and just think they did a really good job preparing for not only this year, but looking towards 2023 when they do lose a couple guys to free agency. So I gave this a B plus. Oh, there we uh, go. Big fan of what the Raiders did. And obviously this division as a whole did a really, really good job, not just in the draft, but in this entire offseason. There it is, folks. There it is. The 2022 NFL draft. The final words written. Wow. We'll never talk about it again. None of these players <laughs> ever none of, none of these results. This is it. Hope you guys enjoyed it. No, of course we're kidding. Uh, We're going to talk plenty more about these uh, guys once they get on the field for training camp and preseason, and we're going to be monitoring uh, the the rookies and how they've been doing. Look, we we, we had a fun little exercise where we drafted Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, We're going to be doing the same thing with Defensive Rookie of the Year. Maybe that'll be Mondays. Maybe maybe we'll switch it up a little bit on Monday. One one way or another, we're going to have some sort of mock draft Monday for you coming up to start your week next week we are going to be shifting things a little bit so just to give you guys a heads up we've been running three shows a week up to this point because it was draft season obviously we were trying to give you guys 
as much content as we possibly could during the summer we're not going away we're not turning the lights off nothing like that no, no, no. we are probably going to go to more of two shows a week so probably a monday and a thursday show schedule but we'll still get that mock draft monday and then of course we'll get into summer scouting a lot we'll be able to spend a ton of time on each position really dive into some of the guys that you're going to see in college football this upcoming year the players that you're going to start talking about in mock draft and in your mock drafts uh coming up throughout the season and then of course when we get into draft season as well so we will get you guys ahead of the curve by the end of this summer we promise you that uh, no matter how many shows that we got per week we're gonna we're definitely gonna make that happen so connor i'm uh, i'm excited man it's it's i'm gonna say it again it's a bittersweet time kind of turning the turning the page a little bit but we're still gonna be doing plenty of mock draft mondays to talk about these rookies so i guess like i can't be too sad we're not going too far no, we're not going too far. I, I've said this over and over again. This is the most jacked up I've ever been for preseason football. Like like true sickos, we will be watching <laughs> into the second half. Uh, this podcast, you know, will truly serve as a transition pod, right? Like we, we're a draft pod at heart. So we're always looking at college football with a draft angle lens. But we're also going to look at the NFL angle lens of who are the rookies that are popping off? Who are mm-hmm. the impact young players in the NFL? The guys under 25. Uh, sorry, Vilas Jones. You're the only rookie we will not talk oh, wow. about. No, wow. just kidding. I'm just, just kidding. Wow. It's cold. It's cold-blooded. Wow. Oh, man. He did it. I think I need to go. I think I need to. <laughs> I think I need that. And with that being said, uh, I think it's time to go. It has been a lot of fun. I'm excited to get into this next class, too. I know everybody's itching. To hear us talk about 2023 we are not going to do a 2023 mock draft until trevor and i feel like we really have a good pulse of the top players right. like i don't want to sit there and just throw names at you right yes we could do that with the top 10 in this very moment but i when we get to 25 through 32 i i want to give you an honest breakdown of those guys yep um we're, that's something we're always going to be honest with so that that day will come this summer as well and so and we'll we will we will definitely get to that point uh, whether it's yeah. july or august or something like we will We'll be able to, like Connor said, I think after summer scouting, that's when things start to get really fun, right? You have a really have a good board. Fun. We'll have a board. Yeah, we will. Shoot, man, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a, a preseason top fifty probably with all the guys yep. that we're watching. We're watching so many guys from every position, so I'm excited to get into it, man. The journey starts Monday. This is the NFL Stock Exchange. Thank you guys for listening. See you then.